Good morning. When I uh, speak, I'm usually quite nervous. This morning, I'm even more nervous because because Lorraine is here. Lorraine should be in the hospital having a baby. You know, I get anywhere I go where I see ladies like this. I get really nervous because we just got to the hospital with Kim, you know, and, you know, I know what it's like. So I'm really nervous this morning. Let's pray. Let's make sure we pray for Pat and Lorraine. I think it's happening on Tuesday, isn't it? Pat, isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hope the baby knows that. Does the baby know that? Oh, okay. All right. A few weeks back, I got a call from Stuart and he said that. Um, after the book of Hebrews there's going to be a few uh, topics that they'd like uh, someone to speak on and he asked if uh, I'd be interested in that I said yes, thank you very much and he gave me a topic and this is it there it is, there it is, up there already living the gospel at home and at work that's a big topic big subject so after thinking about it, I thought, okay, uh, I rang Stuart back and I said, Stuart, what exactly is it the elders would like me to speak about this topic? You know, can you narrow it down a little bit? You know, maybe give me a passage to work from? He said, oh, no. You know, he said it in Scottish. He said, um, <laughs> you know, just, you know, what it's like. To, maybe you could help us understand what it's like to live out the gospel at home and at work. And, and he had no passage, so, all right. So I, I prayed about it. And that's why I've chosen First John chapter 1. There's a, there's a passage in there that talks about how we should live. And I think that's a good place to start. Living the gospel. What is the gospel? That's the first question I have to ask, isn't it? What is the gospel? You're going to live the gospel, what is the gospel? Someone tell me, quickly. What is the gospel? Good news. Does that help you? Does that help you? I don't know. All right. So I did what I normally do. I looked it up in the dictionary. The word gospel is a noun. It's a proper word. Proper word. Here's what it means. The teachings of Jesus Christ the Apostle, the Christian Revelation... This is not a Bible dictionary, Emma. This is the Macquarie Dictionary. All right? This, when you look up gospel, the word gospel, that's the first thing that comes up. The second thing that comes up, the story of Christ's life and teachings, especially as contained in the first four books of the New Testament. The third thing that comes up, any of the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the fourth thing, something regarded as true and, and implicitly believed. The fifth thing, a doctrine regarded as, as of prime importance. And the sixth thing, glad tidings, good news, right? So, I know, because this is what we think. We say the gospel, good news, and we leave it there. The good news is the teachings of Christ. And I don't want to get too technical, but I looked up what, where the, the word came from, gospel, 
And in, in the original Latin, it's, it's God, G-O-D-S-P-E-L. That's how it was originally written because it was good news from God. Huh? That's interesting, isn't it? I, I know that sounds boring, but when you think about it, that's interesting, isn't it? If we could put a D in, in between the O and the S, we'd get the idea of what God had intended. Good news from God. Now, living the gospel. Now, okay, now we're getting a handle on this, living the gospel. It's important that we know how to do that because, because how I live the gospel influences me as a husband at home, a father, a grandfather now? I know I'm getting old. I don't look like a grandfather, I know. But I am a grandfather. You know? And it influences me as a, as, a, as a brother. It influences me how, how I relate as a, as a person who, who goes into people's homes and works for them. I'm self-employed and I go to different people's homes. A whole heap of things. Whether I'm a good husband... You know, a lot of things because it has a bearing at home and at work. How do I do do it? In this passage, I think this is the start. John, the Apostle John wrote this. He also wrote a gospel. Now, if you notice when you look at the word gospel, it always has a qualification, doesn't it? In the scriptures, when you see it, it comes up, I think it's 60 times, the word gospel, gospel of, and 19 of those times it says the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always the good news from God about something, isn't it? Let's remember that. And John wrote the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus Christ, and then he writes this book. This, is, this, this little epistle is written near the end of John's life. And he says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare it unto you. So, the epistle is written to believers like you and me. Okay, it was a long time ago when he wrote it, but still to believers like you and me. We are no different. And the concern of John is that we talk the talk and it's easy to do, that we don't walk the walk as we should. The epistle talks about the fact that we must walk in a certain way. In in chapter 2 in verse 6 it says, whoever claims to live in him must walk like Jesus. Okay. It's getting a bit more complicated, this living the gospel, isn't it? A little bit more complicated. But I'm hoping that by the time we finish looking at these few verses in, in 1 John, it'll be clearer for us. I don't know which version uh, Brett was reading, but the, the little heading in the NIV that I have, it says, Walking in the Light. Walking in the light. Now, those little headings are not God-inspired, but that's okay. That's not a bad heading. 
Walking in the light is referred to in that passage and it's important because walking in the light is having fellowship with God. It's exactly exactly what it means, having fellowship with God. It's got nothing to do with your relationship with God as far as the fact that you're a child and his son. It doesn't change the fact that God is our father whether we walk in the light or not. How, how could that be, Raph? Well, I know of a, of a young man who hasn't spoken to his father for 18 years. His father's not dead. 18 years. The man's 34. It has nothing to do with his father for 18 years. His father lives in the same district that he lives in but he has nothing, he has no fellowship with his father, no friendship, no companionship. The man is still his father. That hasn't changed. In the 18 years, it hasn't changed. So that relationship has been the same. But there's no fellowship. So when this passage is talking about being in the light, walking in the light, it's talking about fellowship and we'll tease that out in a minute Uh, a bit more and then it talks about walking in darkness walking in darkness and this when you talk about walking in darkness it means that we we sin and and that talks about disobedience rebellion and rejection and and it talks about um, our lives how, how they contrast what we say we say we are believers we say we are Christians and yet we don't walk like that. We don't walk like that. Christians are hypocrites. Have you heard that? Have you been have you been told that? Have you been accused of that? Why do you think they do that? Because what we say doesn't line up with the way we walk. That's why they, they, they lay that the accusation to us. In the New Testament, the Christian life is, is the analogy is like a walk, a journey. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Well, because our journey starts with a step, yeah? A step of faith. One step of faith is how you start. By trusting Jesus Christ as your Saviour, accepting him as your Lord is the first step in that walk that it's referring to here. I'm glad that it says it's a walk because if it was a run, I would be in trouble. If it was a sprint, I would be. If it was a marathon, I'd be in trouble. But it's it's a walk. It's the walk of faith. It starts with a step, and it's interesting, you know, because a lot of Christians, when they accept the Lord Jesus Christ, they take that step of salvation. They think to themselves, "That's it. I'm saved." 
I have a place in heaven, my, my name's in the Lamb's book of life, I'm all good. Instead of it being the start of the journey, it's like the end. It's like the end. That's not how it says it in Scripture. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Saviour, it's only the start of the journey. Only the start. Walking. Walking involves progress. Now, unless, unless you're an AFL umpire, you know, who, like they run backwards and walk backwards, you know, walking involves progress. A forward moving. And that's what the Bible envisages when it says it says about walking in the light, progressing through our spiritual development, advancement, maturity. You could call it whatever you like, but that's what it is. You're not meant to stay still. You're meant to take one step, another step, and another step, and then that's what walking is. One step after another. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that God says it's a walk? He doesn't say that it's a, a race, though we are entered into a race at times, but it's a, our journey of faith is a, is a walk. And I'm glad about that because everybody can walk. Not everyone can run. Not everyone can sprint. Not everyone can, can do long distance running and jogging. Not everyone can do that. Unfortunately, the little kids have gone. But the, the, I've, got an, I've got a, how old is Zealy? 17 months? 17 months, little granddaughter. And she walks very quickly. Actually, she just runs now, doesn't she? But anyway, she's only little, but she can walk. And there are very senior people here, very aged, and maybe the walking is a bit painful, but they can still walk. There isn't anyone in this room who can't walk. And that's how God sees it. Sometimes we walk slow. In our, in our Christian journey, in our walk of faith. Sometimes it's a really slow walk. That we're still walking, we're still journeying, we should still be advancing. And it's interesting when you look at this passage, it's not so much in this passage how we walk, though that's important, but John isn't saying how we're walking. What is he saying here? Where we are walking. That's the question, isn't it? The question is not how are you walking, Raph, but where are you walking? Are you walking in the light or are you walking in the darkness? It's a little bit like what Rob Freeman, I do encourage you to make sure you listen to his message from last week. It's not so much what we do, it's who we are. What sort of people should we be if we are walking in the right place? And if we are the right sort of people, the doing happens by itself. It's a natural progression. So here John is saying that um, we need to walk in the light. So he says here, 
the, the message is God is light. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So God is light. What is light like? Well, here it's trying to give us the idea that God is holy, he's pure, he's good, he's true, he's reliable. This is what light represents. All the good things, all the things that are positive. God is light. Light exposes whatever exists, doesn't it? Whether it's good or bad, it makes no difference. You turn on the light, you see whatever there is to see, good or bad, beautiful or ugly. But but the, uh, the, uh, the writer here, John, says more than that. He says, God is light and there is no darkness. God is light. There is no darkness. You know, darkness and light cannot coexist. Either the light is on or it's not and it's dark. Yeah? You can't have the two. They, don't, they can't exist in the same place. So God is light, no darkness. But here in this passage, John says a little bit more. I should have had this going, sorry. God is light. No darkness at all. Now, why, why does he go on about this? Wasn't it enough just to say God is light? All right, so maybe we're a bit thick and no darkness. But he says at all. It's absolute, isn't it? God, he is saying the message, here it is. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. At all. All darkness is excluded from having fellowship with God is what John is trying to tell us in this passage. All darkness. Now, this last week, no, on Thursday, I had to get under the house where I'm working at the moment to connect up the shower base. Now, there's all sorts of houses. The worst house to get under to do that is a brick veneer house. You know why? Very little light comes through those little vents. It's very dark under a brick veneer house. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what it looks like. No, no light at all. Complete darkness where there's absolutely no, no light. Well, because I was talking about this, I thought, I'll, I'll do it. I don't like doing this, but I'll do it. I turned off the torch. I've got a big LED torch that I use to get under the house. I turned it off, pitch black. Nothing, you couldn't see a thing. Literally, it was pitch black. Now, I don't feel very comfortable when that happens. The manhole was maybe four metres away. I knew where it was. I knew I could get out, but as soon as that light went off, man, my heart was racing. You know, before I had the torch, I used to take the, the, a lead light, which means it's a light on a lead and it's plugged into a PowerPoint and I used to drag that through because that gives off a lot of light. But you know what else happens? You can pull it and it comes out of the, it comes out of the PowerPoint and it's pitch black. I've got to go all the way back in the dark. I hate it. That's why they use... 
you know, those sort of things like being confined in a dark room as a form of torture to soften you up. It's not meant to be. Not meant to be. And that's what it is. That's what darkness is. It's the opposite of light. But in the scriptures, when it talks about darkness, it talks about sin, about disobedience, about um, rebellion, about self, about pride, greed, anger, all those things. That's what darkness is. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. As a believer in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that we are called out of darkness. Wrath, come out of the darkness into my wonderful light. That's what it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it, t- it tells us that we are the sons of the light. He says, Raph, you are now my son, the son of the light. You know what else it says in that verse? He says, you don't belong in the darkness. That's what it says about you and me. I'd like to read with you, if you wouldn't mind turning to John chapter 3, the other, the other uh, book that John wrote. There's a passage in there that I'd like to read to you because I think it really encapsulates this, this darkness and light thing that we're talking about here this morning. Chapter 3, verse 19 of John. It's written in red in your Bible, hopefully, like it is in mine, because the Lord said this. At the start of John, it talks about the light coming into the world. It's talking about the Lord, isn't it? And this is what the Lord said, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God. I love that little passage because it makes it so clear, doesn't it, what it's talking about. So, there it is, living the gospel. There are three little, there are three occasions occurrences rather, of this little phrase in the, in the passage that we read. If we claim, if we claim, verse 6, verse 8, verse 10, if we claim. So Christians, whether we like it or not, do claim things. Sometimes we do it verbally, other times we do it by the stand that we take, other times we just do it by the fact that we are associated with Christ. We make these claims. And the evidence of our claims are demonstrated in the way that we live. Whether the, the claim is true. You can claim anything. You can claim anything. But is it true? Is it valid? Where is the evidence for it? So, 
John says here, if we claim, in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with, with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Now, fellowship. Fellowship means to be friendly, companionship, communion and the synonym that I liked the, the most about uh, fel- that, that went with fellowship was togetherness. If we claim to have communion with God, a togetherness with God and don't live according to his word, we lie. That's strong words, isn't it? What's the worst thing that a person could call you? I know everything sort of can hurt a little bit, but what if I said, you're a liar? That hurts, doesn't it? To be called a liar. It goes right to the core, doesn't it? You could, you could call me a whole heap of things, but to call me a liar, man, that hurts. That's bad. And what we see in this, little, in this little verse here is that fellowship is conditional to walking in... The, you cannot have fellowship with God unless you walk in the light. Unless you're walking... You cannot have it. God will not be there together with you if you're in the darkness or even in the shadows. You have to be walking in the light. And I love this little, little bit here where it talks about but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son purifies us from all sin. That's feet washing. John was the one that told us about that too in John's Gospel. Whose feet did Jesus wash? There's a question for you. Anyone know? Whose feet did he wash? Disciples. Very good, Mary. The disciples. Why? Because we sin. You know, Peter didn't have it packed, did he, what it was all about. But the Lord made it very clear. You've been forgiven, Peter. You have eternal life. But those feet... You know, they're in the world, they get dusty and dirty. It's important to have clean feet. You walk with your feet, don't you? You do. All right. A believer who, who decides to live an independent life, you know, relying on themselves, their talent, their ability, their smarts, live like they're living for self, how could they possibly walk? With God, in fellowship with God. I had a brother this morning say to me, We are dependent on God. We are. We have to be. We are His disciples. We are His children. That's the relationship that we have. In verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, the second claim, if we claim to be without sin. Now, the fact that Christians sin bothers a lot of people and it should, it should. It should bother people. It's hard to explain it, isn't it, when a Christian does the wrong thing. 
to an unbeliever. It's very hard to explain. But you know and I know why that is. You see, when we took that step of faith and trusted Jesus Christ, he forgave us. Amen to that. He put my name and your name in his book and he promised us eternal life. And he gave us a new life. And he gave us the Holy Spirit that lives in you and me. That's brilliant. Fantastic. But he left the old nature in there as well. That's not so good for you and me. It really isn't. Because that old nature sometimes causes me to not be walking in the light. Occasionally it causes me to walk in the shadows. Sometimes in the darkness. The old nature. It's not removed. You know, believers, the old bumper sticker says, believers are not perfect, just forgiven. And sometimes we need to remember that because most of the time we tend to think Christians believe that we are perfect and everyone else needs forgiveness. That's how we live sometimes. That's what people see. It says there, as we read on, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, we deceive ourselves by thinking that I'm a Christian, I'm okay, no need to worry about different things. But you know, at home, the fact that you're a Christian doesn't change the fact that you can be a bad husband or a bad wife. I work in people's homes I work in Christian people's homes sometimes. Very revealing. Very revealing. One time I worked in this home and I was a bit behind and Brett knows all about this. What do you have to do when you fall behind? (laughs) Wrong answer. Wrong answer. I have to work on a Saturday. I hate working on a Saturday. I have to work on a set day. And you know, most people are home on a set day, so I'm working away in this house. And I think the people forgot I was there. There was a lot of shouting, not a word said. I was shocked. I was shocked. They were Christians. I've worked in other Christian people's homes. There was one lady that I worked in the house, and you could always tell when it was 9.30. You know, I go to the van a lot. You know, I go from the bathroom into the van, bathroom, van, bathroom. It was around 9.30. I knew it was 9.30 because that's when this lady sat at the dining room table with her Bible open and filling in her whatever, daily study guide, whatever it might have been. Interesting, isn't it? So we can deceive ourselves to think that we don't, need, we don't have to worry about sin. We don't have to worry about temptation. We don't have to worry about the enemy. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. The passage here describes a believer who is being, living a dishonest life. He's playing a role. You know, it's easy to come on a Sunday morning, dress nice, bring your Bible even, sit and listen to the preacher, that's a role you play. If you're not walking in the light, it's not genuine. The third, third claim, if we claim we have not sinned, 
that's practicing the sins, that they're doing the things, if we claim that, how is it possible that we can do You know and I know, I sin, we sin. We are Christians, we are disciples of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we sin. How could we possibly claim that we don't? The evidence is overwhelming. The evidence is in our homes. The divorce rate in a Christian home is the same as an unbeliever's home. That's terrible. Marriages break up. There are problems in Christians' homes. There are problems in Christian churches, in government, everywhere. We all sin. And if we say that man doesn't sin, that Christians don't sin, what does it say there? It says that we are calling God. We make God a liar. For all have sinned and come short of my glory, the Lord says. Is that true or not? It's true. And John is telling us, little, uh, what does he call us here? Dear children, Dear children, watch yourselves here. It can happen to you. So if you find yourself that maybe you're not walking in the light, maybe you're not walking in the light as often as you should, or if you find yourself in the grey areas or in the darkness, whatever it is, what is the remedy for it? What's the remedy for, for this? It's in verse 9. It's another if we... And it starts with C, but it's not a claim. It's a confession. If we confess our sin. Oh, that's important. Because here what, here's what confess means. To acknowledge, to own, admit, to accept the truth of. That's what it means to confess. You know, the Bible talks about, oh, maybe it's not the Bible, I've heard it preached by old preachers, sins of commission and sins of omission. That sounds good. But you know what that means? It means the things that I do that I shouldn't do which are bad. They're the sins of commission. And then there are sins, there are the things that I don't do that I should do. That's not a good thing either. And as I've been journeying for, what's oh, now, 20, 37 years as a Christian, no, that's too long. Yeah, that's right. 30, I'm 58 this year. 37 years as a Christian, I've got a reasonable handle on the sins of commission. I don't do as many of the things that I used to do. It's the, thing, it's the sins of omission that I have struggled with. You know, the things that as a believer, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a person who claims to be walking in the light that I should be doing... And I'm not doing it. I struggle with that, to be honest with you. Then there are the, the sins of thought. You know, when the Lord was here, he says, all right, maybe, maybe you're not committing adultery, but uh, I know you're thinking about it. It's just as bad. That's sins of the, the things you actually do in actions, that's obvious. What about the secret sins? the sins that nobody knows about except for you and God of course and the public sins, you know the sins that you can get away with at work maybe, down at the sports club or wherever, mother's club 
because your Christian friends aren't there. Who's going to know? Eh? What it says here is that if you're doing that, if that's happening, darkness. We've got darkness here. And the thing is to acknowledge it, own it, name it and forsake it. Let's admit that we sin because if we say we don't sin, what are we? Liars. Liars. You don't want to be a liar. You don't want to be known as a liar or a hypocrite. Let's name them. Your sin that you're struggling with is probably different from mine and the person next to you. But it's your, it's your, your thing that's causing you to walk in darkness. Forsake it. True confession involves the forsaking of sin. You know, I love that story. It's also in, in, in the, the Gospels of the woman caught in adultery. The stones, the men with the stones, the rocks ready to pelt her. The Lord said, you know, anyone that's without sin, you can go first, throw first. They all threw the stones away and all went. You know, and the Lord says, where are you? Oh, they're not here anymore. You know the story really well. But I love the ending of it, the ending of it. The Lord didn't condemn her, but he said, you know what? He says, go and sin no more. Now, he didn't mean don't ever do anything wrong. He said, no more adultery. Confess it, forsake it. That's what repentance is all about. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes will have mercy. And then it tells us in the passage here that if we confess, he will, that's God will, be faithful to forgive us. Like the, the washing. He, he'll be, he'll be uh, just, he's just because he, he found a way of, of uh, making that way of forgiveness. He, he forgives, he cancels our debts. And I love this last bit. It says here, uh, he purifies us, but in the King James it says cleanses us. You know, you know what that means? That, to me that like just big blackboard, big dust, you clean the blackboard, you can start again. You can get back into fellowship with God. You're, you're walking in the light again. And that's where the blessings are, in the light, in fellowship with God. That's what the, the apostle here is trying to tell us. So the challenge, the challenge this morning is not how you're walking, but where are you walking? Are you walking in the light as he is in the light? That's, that's the challenge.